Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME-CE credit. Carrie, age 36, is here today with a bad cold. She started with a sore throat a few days ago and symptoms have worsened. She now has sinus pressure, a thick nasal discharge with a post-nasal drip and a cough that is bothersome and keeping her up at night. Carrie tells you she feels like she's choking with all the thick gunk going down the back of her throat. And this seems to be the big thing that's causing her to cough. She denies fever or shortness of breath. She states, last year I had the same thing and nothing helped until, until I got an antibiotic. And you feel like, oh, no. <laughs> Carrie, has, Carrie has tried over-the-counter cough medicines, which have been helpful to get her to sleep, but nothing else. What do you tell Carrie today about her symptoms and what's the most effective treatment for her illness? Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Dr. Susan Feeney, Assistant Professor and Director of the Nurse Practitioner Tracks at the University of Massachusetts Medical School, Graduate School of Nursing. Thanks for coming today, Susan. My pleasure, Frank. All right. So my mother, my mother uh, was uh, highly focused on managing colds and avoiding the doctor in my youth. Um, what are the current usual treatments for upper respiratory tract infections? And why well, is this a concern? Well, the usual, if you've ever spent, uh, you know, a minute walking through your local pharmacy, um, you will see a plethora of over-the-counter medications, anywhere from um, diphenhydramine, guaifenesin, dextromethorphan, um, and various other types. And some of them actually have things like honey and echinacea in them. But those are the, the three big ones. And, and there's also sinus hygiene products like say, nasal saline, which uh, we usually promote. But there is a bunch of stuff. And many of these products are multi-medication for multi-symptom, right? They'll have acetaminophen or ibuprofen. Um, and they're, you know, as I said, take them and your cold will go away in 10 days, you know? So um, <laughs> it's, that's, that's the usual treatment. And what are the risks is that, um, first of all, we know that the diphenhydramine, the reason people take this for colds is because it has an anticholinergic effect and it causes drying up of mucous membranes, but it also crosses the blood-brain barrier and makes people want to sleep, which could be a good thing. But if you are over 65, you shouldn't be near this stuff on a regular basis because of you know cognitive impairment falls and that kind of thing. And dextromethorphan has, you know, it has a uh, sort of a central nervous system quieting of the cough which might be helpful, but there's reasons we cough. You know, it, it, sometimes it's to clear that junk out, and it also can be sedating. And in high doses, we know it can be addicting. So these are not benign substances, even though they are over the counter. So, um, you know, what to do, what to do. And we know that the number one reason people seek care in health, you know, to come see us, especially in cold and flu season, which we're in the middle of right now, is this particular thing. And all most people, like Carrie, will say, hey, I was on an antibiotic and made me better, but we know that antibiotics have an anti-inflammatory effect and that 
by the time they usually start on it, their symptoms are starting to resolve anyway. So they they have this vision that the antibiotic is is working. And we know that one of the main reasons we have problems with resistant strains is this inappropriate use of antibiotics. So this is not a minor problem in healthcare, especially in primary care. And that um, we really need to address people's symptoms. You know, they're coming in because they have a cough. They're coming in because they can't sleep. So um, we give them, we throw things at them or they take things on their own that, uh, and maybe it's just, you know, tincture of time and what, what could they take that might be helpful. So, well, that raises the question. You know, you said that uh, guaifenesin and diphenhydramine, um, uh, dextromethorphan have limited ability to help. We're pretty clear that antibiotics aren't going to help because 98% of these are viral infections that need right, to run right. their course. Um, what, what has been found to be beneficial? Well, interesting that there was a recent article in the British Medical Journal looking at doing a meta-analysis, system, a systematic review of the literature, and then a meta-analysis of honey, of does honey work? And we know that we've had some recent literature on children because, you know, the FDA and the American Academy of Pediatrics have come out pretty strongly about not using the over-the-counter stuff on kids, certainly under age two and, and preferably not under age six. And they found that once a child is over one, that honey does help with these symptoms. It helps reduce the severity and the frequency of cough and other symptoms. So, but there's never been any sort of review, uh, meta-analysis done on adults. So this study, which was really fascinating, it was a meta-analysis, I said, about 14 studies looking at honey. And um, about 11 of them actually used pure honey. Um, and so it was interesting. One used it with coffee, one used it with milk, but meant most of them just used, I know, pure honey. Um, and, and the dosing was, you know, very uh, variable. And then they also looked at a couple of syrups that are used in Europe and in England that have basically just have honey in them. Um, and what they found was it was superior, that it was associated across the board with significant reductions in overall sort of symptoms of upper respiratory tract infections, but specifically for severity and frequency of cough. So that was really um, great information that, first of all, it's gonna be a lot cheaper for people to take honey and they don't have worry of, um, you know, of side effects and drug to drug interaction and, um, or sedation, that it's a really, really nice, um, it gives us great information, another tool in the toolbox. So, so just, just to summarize, it sounds like um, honey is probably as effective as dextromethorphan without any of the risks, side effects, or costs. Does that, does that sound about right? Right. So they looked, they looked at specific, it was very interesting, they looked at guaifenesin. There was only one study that actually looked at guaifenesin, and they used it as a placebo that they, <laughs> because the evidence is so poor on on. Uh, Guaifenesin actually helping with cough, you know, suppression and severity, that they put it in as a placebo, and there was no that, that honey was better than that, um, and honey was better than diphenhydramine as far as reducing overall symptoms, cough severity and frequency, and about the same as dextromethorphan. So, um, you, the fact that there's no side effects and it's um, easily put into you know, liquids and, and things like that, um, it's really gives us a great 
piece of information in our toolbox. Um, because I think this, this um, and I don't know about you, but I have patients that, you know, if one is good, 12 is better. So they'll take, you know, the multi-system system medication, and then they'll take on top of that, you know, maybe Robitussin. So they're actually getting a lot of dosing of this medication. It's, it's, it, is, um, it is a problem. And also, you know, if we can really speak to people's symptomatology in a realistic way and not over-prescribe antibiotics, this is a really, this is a win-win. I, I tend to agree. Uh, about three years ago, a patient of mine who was raised in England uh, had, came in for respiratory symptoms, and I asked her what she was taking, and she pulled out of her purse um, honey-based cough drops that she could only buy in the UK, and their only ingredient in it was honey and some drying agent. And it was, and I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great to buy these here? But of course. We can't, or probably can over the internet now, but I thought, you know, it's fascinating. The use of honey as a cough suppressant or to treat upper respiratory tract infections is well known, has been used forever, and it's it's simple, it's easy, it's safe. It's also curious that guaifenesin is the most common ingredient in cough medicines and the most advertised of those um, on, on television and, and in print media is just guaifenesin. And it, it, you it think, is. wow, here's something that doesn't even work, and yet people take it all the time. Well, it's, it's interesting. One of the things I remember from my, my nurse practitioner program, which I took many, many years ago, was in pharmacology. The pharmacist who was teaching us said, guaifenesin is warm water is better than guaifenesin. And that was, <laughs> you know, 20 years ago. So it's, um, and I think, the problem is, it's the, it, as you said, it's the marketing. But and and if you were to, you know, and if you look, you know, people these the people who make these medications get this because there are honey is included in many of these products now. Um, no. You know, so it's they're they're sort of understanding that there's a benefit, but certainly introducing honey. I know that I was one of five children. My mother was was the hot toddy queen. Uh, we had, you know, butter. Why, why butter? I don't know, but butter and honey and warm water. And on a rare occasion, a little bit of bourbon. And she used to say, you guys slept great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, most, recommend, I do not recommend the alcohol, but, you but know. Most cough medicines that are highly effective are brought up in alcohol, 40% sometimes. So, right. you know, I, so I think this is a fascinating study. Quick thought, what are we going to say to Carrie today? What can we do to help address I'm her gonna, concerns? I'm going to spend, the, and this is, this is where it, we have to take the time to educate our patients. And what I usually say to them, well, the good news is you don't need an antibiotic because, because we really want to save that for a time when you're going to need it. The bad news is that you have a cold and these this lasts, you know, seven to 10 days, but you should start to feel better. And these are the things you can do. You can use steam, you can use saline nasal spray to help thin out those secretions. And you can also try honey in warm tea. And that is as effective as anything over the counter. And you don't have to, to subject yourself to an antibiotic, which is not gonna help you. So that's the good news. And I know it sounds crazy, but that's actually worked for me in the past. Susan, thanks for bringing this, and uh, I'm remembering my mother. Yes, me too, and um, thanks, thanks, Frank. Practice pointer, consider honey for the treatment of upper respiratory tract infection-related symptoms, including cough, before considering more expensive, less effective, and potentially harmful other therapies. 
Join us next time when we discuss microhematuria as a finding in our patients and how to evaluate them in a cost-effective, patient-centered manner. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.